Welcome to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson, and I'm joined by MNN's Bill Werner, Tasha Radel, and Mike Grimm. We're going to delve into what's going on in the North Star State. If it matters in Minnesota, we've got it covered. This week, fall in Minnesota is also Medicare plan selection time and the latest in local and national politics as the dust continues to slowly settle on the most closely watched election in recent history. This, of course, was the week that politicians have been gearing up for, that some Minnesotans have been waiting for, while others have been wishing it would be over. And here's MNN's Bill Warner to try to condense it all into six minutes. As the clock ticked past 8 p.m. election night, GOP and DFL faithful alike were girding themselves for the long haul, with a winner in the presidential race probably not coming until days or possibly weeks later. Keep your hats on tight, because uh, this president, he just won Florida. Uh, There's a good chance he's going to win Pennsylvania. There's a good chance he's going to win Michigan and Wisconsin. The president has a path to uh, re-election. I believe he's going to win it. Those predictions by 6th District Congressman Tom Emmer turned out to be only partially correct, while vote counting in battleground states spilled into the following days. Shouting out love for the president and whatever people think about his personality, his policies are what should earn him another four years. But in Minnesota, voters had a good idea well before midnight on election night, whether their state would remain blue or flip into the red column. I suspect that the Trump supporters um, were already planning on showing up. Um, And so I think it's going to be the Biden supporters. Predicted Hamlin University's David Schultz about Election Day turnout, which not surprisingly in such a contentious election turned out to be strong, particularly in Biden strongholds like Central City, Minneapolis, and St. Paul. Those votes gave Biden an early lead in Minnesota, which eroded as Trump-heavy votes streamed in from greater Minnesota. But it was not enough to counteract that massive block of Biden votes from Minneapolis and St. Paul and even some of the suburbs. Let's go over to Republican headquarters now where uh, MNN reporter J.W. Cox has uh, Jennifer Carnahan, who is the Republican Party chair of Minnesota. Chair Carnahan, I want to ask you about this persistent gap. Uh, it's It has really, really held up throughout the evening. It's still in the double digits, and now we're getting a fair amount of the returns in from greater Minnesota. Are you folks worried at all, not only in the presidential race, but in the U.S. Senate race? Well, we're going to wait and see as the rest of these returns get reported and come in tonight and see where things land. Uh, we know 100% reporting is not fully there with a lot of these areas in greater Minnesota um, that have been areas that perform very well and very strong for the president in 2016. So we want to wait and see what happens there. Madam Chair, thanks a lot for joining us. David Schultz, Hamlin University analyst, back with us again. Professor, this has been a, a persistent gap uh, throughout the evening. It, it remains in double digits, and the, the, the gap is a couple hundred thousand votes. Do the absentee ballots plug that or not? I don't think so at this point. It's getting yeah. to be the point where we're starting to lose, um, even if we bring in heavy numbers from, from greater Minnesota, we're sort of losing the ability to narrow that gap. Remember, there's more voters in the Twin Cities metro area, and so it's going to be really tough. I said it before, I'll say it again, uh, Minnesota is Biden country. This is a Democratic state. DFL Party Chairman Ken Martin at Democrats' election night headquarters, which was virtual except for a few party officials and the news media. State GOP Chair Jennifer Carnahan told Republican faithful their gathering size capped by COVID restrictions that Minnesota played a role even though the president did not win the state. Caused the Democrats to have to spend millions and millions of dollars of financial resources in Minnesota 
to try to hold their strength there, and that took millions of dollars away from other battleground states, like a Wisconsin, an Iowa, a Michigan, a Pennsylvania. A lot of people who came back home who voted for Trump in 16 decided to take a pass on him in 2020. Said DFL Chair Martin, but GOP Chair Carnahan told Trump's Minnesota supporters. When the president wins this country, if he wins Wisconsin by a little bit, Iowa by a little bit, Pennsylvania, Florida, these other states, it's because of Minnesota, because the electoral map is a matrix, and you guys should all be proud of yourselves for what you did. When the night and the next morning were over, Biden had 1.7 million votes in Minnesota to President Trump's 1.48 million. That works out to 52 to 45 percent. Biden's momentum carried over to the U.S. Senate race, where Democratic incumbent Tina Smith grabbed an early lead with metro area votes and held on to most of it, even as the rest of the state weighed in. DFL Party Chair Martin said about Republican candidate Jason Lewis. Attached himself to Donald Trump's hip. I don't think that's going to fare well for him in a state like Minnesota. Lewis responded the reason he focused on greater Minnesota in his campaign. That's the forgotten man and woman of Minnesota. Far too many statewide office holders take them for granted. Lewis, in a later statement to his supporters, said, quote, we may have lost the battle. The war may yet be won. Republicans had better fortune on Minnesota's U.S. House seats, retaining three and flipping one. Pete Stauber is going to get reelected in northern Minnesota. Jim Hagedorn is out overperforming what he did two years ago. He is going to get reelected in southern Minnesota. But I'm going to tell you all, Michelle Fishbach is going to be the next representative from Minnesota's 7th Congressional District. Said Congressman Tom Ammer, who easily won re-election in the 6th Congressional District, and the upset he predicted in western Minnesota's 7th District became reality when the Republican challenger, former Lieutenant Governor Michelle Fishbach, soundly defeated longtime Democratic Congressman Colin Peterson. Wide margin, 53% to Peterson's 40%. The people of the 7th District are conservatives who want someone in Congress who will vote conservative, and who will make sure that we move the 7th District forward. That race received national attention, including from the president. Michelle Fishbach. Great job. Fishbach's win means Congressman Peterson will no longer chair the U.S. House Agriculture Committee in the new year. In a statement released the morning after the election, Peterson thanked the people of the 7th District, saying it was a great honor to serve them, and he respects their decision to move in a different direction. Peterson added, quote, We ran a strong and positive campaign, but with the president winning this district by 30 points again and the millions in outside money that was spent to attack me, the partisan tilt of this district was just too much to overcome. Unquote. Outgoing Congressman Colin Peterson. Scott? Thank you, Bill. Up next, local political expert Stephen Shear with some perspective on the events of the last week when Minnesota Matters returns. Unexpected reactions to smart financial decisions brought to you by FeedThePig.org. Well, I finally did it. I opened a 401k. So you're giving up. Just like that. Giving up on what? I'm getting an inheritance from a distant relative. Don't you think if there were a billionaire in the family, we'd know about it by now? Listen to me. We are one phone call away from riding horses on our own private polo grounds. One call from christening yachts, having a butler, using summer as a verb. How do you figure? Look, everyone's got a rich uncle somewhere. It's statistics. So the best thing you can do is just prepare for the inevitable. Right, which is why I thought maybe it would be smart to take control of my finances. You know, start using a budget, get out of debt, set some retirement goals. Budgets? Debt? You watch your mouth. Retirement shouldn't be a goal for us. It should be a way of life. 
When it comes to financial stability, don't get left behind. Get tools and tips for saving at feedthepig.org. This message brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson. It was and is a hectic election period with high voter turnout, close and contested races, oh, and a once-in-a-century pandemic. All things considered, the election went relatively smoothly here in Minnesota. I spoke with Carleton College political expert Stephen Shear for some perspective. Well, Donald Trump uh, placed a high premium on carrying Minnesota, but he fell well short of it. In fact, he fell well short of uh, being as competitive as he was four years ago when he lost by 1.42%. This time he lost by 7%. And if you look at the county results, you'll see that in a lot of suburban areas where he did particularly well uh, four years ago, um, like Anoka County, a very important county, uh, uh, he did not do as well. Uh, in other areas outstate, like the St. Cloud area, Stearns County, again, he lagged his performance of four years ago. And uh, when you added up statewide, it was a pretty solid Biden victory. I'm curious, what do you think changed in four years to to bring the numbers down for him in those suburban areas here in Minnesota? Well, I think part of it is that Biden did not have uh, the negative image that Hillary Clinton did. Uh, and also, I think that Democrats uh, were now aware of the Trump threat and therefore were more active in contesting the state. Four years ago, they thought it was a certainty that Hillary Clinton would carry the state, and uh, the Trump results sort of snuck up on them. The way the results came in, it seemed to demonstrate yet again what people have been saying for quite some time now, which is that there seems to be uh, there seems to be a different need from voters in rural Minnesota than there is in the metro area. So what do you think... Uh, that Republicans and Democrats are going to have to do moving forward uh, to win votes in this state, considering that there's that divide? Well, it's very clear as a result of the election that there are two Minnesotas. The greater Minnesota is Republican. The big example of that is Michelle Fishbach's big victory over Colin Peterson in western Minnesota in the 7th District. Um, Angie Craig also had a surprisingly close race in the southern suburbs. Uh, So I think that you've got big differences between the two parties. On the other hand, it looks like in the state legislature you'll have a narrow Republican majority in the Senate and a narrow Democratic majority in the House, which means neither party can govern with impunity in the state legislature, and they're going to have to find a way to work together. Well, and that's kind of my next question. Obviously, we've been we've been seeing them try to work together for quite some time here with a divided legislature, and, you know, we've got... Uh, this continually contentious debate between, uh, you know, the governor executing these emergency powers and extending them and the Senate Republicans wanting to block that, the House Democrats supporting the governor with cases surging here in Minnesota. I don't anticipate that'll end anytime soon. Are we just going to have a continuous cycle of uh, emergency powers and votes? Uh, for the For the next several months, we will, uh, but eventually this virus will be defeated, and we will move back to a more normal style of politics. I think you have to also keep in mind 
that with the election impending, we had the passage of a major bonding bill uh, that got bipartisan support amongst Democrats and Republicans in both the House and the Senate. So that does suggest that there are certain important issues where common ground could, could be found in this last session of the legislature and probably can be found in the next one. How much of that agreement on a bonding bill, though, do you think was attributable to the fact that it was an election year, and might that be different coming up in January when uh, lawmakers return to the Capitol? Well, it might be different, but uh, ultimately, bonding is something that both parties want to accomplish. And since neither party has a large majority, I think they'll be aware of the fact that they will have to find votes on the other side of the aisle, uh, not just on bonding, but on other legislation. And uh, that's fertile ground for compromise. In terms of what's happening with the state legislature and the election, what's the biggest surprise you've seen so far? Um, well, the biggest surprise to me were the significant gains in the House elections by the GOP. It looks right now as if the uh, Democratic majority is going to shrink from about 16 down to around 2, which makes it just about an evenly divided House. And if you have special elections, that could change it even further. Um, the Senate is also uh, narrowly divided. It's sort of a status quo election there. But I think we also have to keep in mind the possibility that late arriving absentee ballots could alter some of these results. And of course, that's uh, something we'll be watching in the days and weeks and hopefully not months ahead. Thanks to my guest, Carleton College political expert Stephen Shear. Minnesota Matters returns after this. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. Fall in Minnesota is also Medicare plan selection time, the one time of year when Medicare members can change their plan. Tasha Radel has more. The annual election period runs now through December 7th. Joining me today is Brian Eck, UCARE's Associate Vice President of Sales. Brian, before we kind of get into all the nuts and bolts of Medicare, can you tell me a little bit about UCARE and who you're representing? So UCARE is a, a we are a nonprofit health plan uh, based in Minneapolis. Um, started all the way back in 1984 by the doctors in the family practice department, at the University of Minnesota. Uh, we have been working in the uh, Medicare Advantage space since 1998. Uh, we are the the oldest Medicare Advantage plan in, in the state uh, at this time. Um, we um, started just in the, the metro area, and slowly but surely we've expanded to the point where uh, we now offer uh, plans in all 87 counties in the state of Minnesota, as well as uh, a few counties along the border in Wisconsin. Brian, I know Medicare has kind of been dubbed an alphabet soup of parts. Uh, can you explain those parts to my listeners? I can, and you're right. That That is one of the more confusing elements of Medicare. So Medicare, unlike traditional health insurance, which might be divided by medical services and prescription, Medicare has always had different parts to it. Uh, part A of Medicare was, is a defined benefit that covers individuals for things like inpatient hospital stays and, and services that might be needed after uh, uh, immediately after an inpatient hospital stay. Part B of Medicare is for doctor office visits and the other medical services that, that, that would not be delivered on, on an inpatient basis. Um, 
Part A is something that um, individuals can basically earn while they're working. If you work the equivalent of 10 years and are paying into Social Security for that, Part A is free for you when you go on to Medicare. Part B does have a premium. Um, uh, that premium can vary for folks depending on their income. Higher earners do pay a little bit more for that Part B premium. Because it does have a premium, it is uh, actually optional. People do not have to take Part B, although there are some some repercussions if you don't take it. In particular, you, there might be penalty payments that apply if you waive Part B and you did not have uh, other medical coverage. Um, Part D of Medicare is prescription drug coverage. Uh, prescription drug coverage is relatively new. Um, just a little over 10 years ago, probably 12 years ago, is when we first had um, prescription drug coverage coming to Medicare. It's one thing that beneficiaries are always kind of amazed to hear that prior to that, if you had a prescription, um, Pay cash for it. There just was no coverage at all through the Medicare program. And it is there now. It is also considered optional, so people don't have to take it if they don't want to. But like with Part B, there are some financial penalties that could come into play if you add Part D at a later basis. Now, I skipped over Part C, but there is a Part C. That is the Medicare Advantage program. So the companies like, like a UCARE contract with the federal government to provide Medicare services to, to their members and, and to Medicare beneficiaries. And it would include um, a number of different Medicare um, health maintenance organizations, preferred provider organizations, uh, even uh, uh, Medicare savings accounts are, are available through plans that, uh, that participate in Part C. So we broke down A, B, C, and D, but when we talk about options, I think sometimes people get overwhelmed with all the different, uh, I guess, plans out there. When we talk about Medicare plan options that are out there, can you break down some of those for us and give us perhaps an example or two? Yeah, I think that the, the big, there's one big dividing line for, for, um, for Medicare products, and one would be it's the, the Medicare Advantage program, which, as I said, is where the plan contracts with the federal government to basically be Medicare for, for, those, uh, for those members. And then a more traditional Medicare supplement plan. These have been in the market longer than Medicare Advantage plans, um, really were, uh, came in early to kind of help individuals in covering some of the gaps in, uh, in, in Medicare coverage. Medicare's never been designed to pay first dollar for everything that uh, that a beneficiary may receive. There are deductibles, there are co-pays, there are, there is coinsurance that's part of the federal Medicare program. And what's always been in place as well is there's there is no out-of-pocket maximum in what you spend on your medical care when you are a Medicare beneficiary. Visiting with Brian Eck, UCARE's Associate Vice President of Sales. Brian, another thing that I wanted to talk to you a little bit while doing my homework on Medicare, uh, I read something about Medicare plans for $0 premium. Now, this sounds too good to be true. Are they? You know what? That's that's something that um, that we've, we've heard for years as we've dealt with the zero premium plans. Um, Yes, they are good, as believe it or not. Uh, the, now, there are some variations in which what you get for nothing will, will be different, uh, but you will find in, in our market right now uh, zero premium plans that include things like dental benefits, that include coverage for hearing aids, that include coverage for um, eyewear not covered by Medicare, free health club memberships, at zero premium. Now, the trade-off for folks, and, and uh, I think this is an important thing for everybody to know, in general, the lower the premium for a Medicare plan, the more you might pay out of pocket for medical services that, that you use. 
Now, for a lot of folks that, that are that are very healthy, they're not really doctoring a lot except for preventive visits each year. Um, that's a fair trade-off in, in their mind. Uh, they they have coverage. If something does go bad, they have coverage that will have an out-of-pocket maximum that's typically affordable, um, and, and they can handle that. For other folks who have maybe some medical conditions where they know they're going to be doctoring, maybe have a, a chronic condition which requires that they see their doctor uh, on a regular basis throughout the year, they might want to buy themselves a little more protection. And, and, uh, and by paying a little bit more in premium, they can lower some of those out-of-pocket costs that they know they're going to be facing during the year. We need to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about some of the changes this year to Medicare plans, and we'll also find out where a good place to go to do your homework on Medicare plans is. We'll be back right after this. Quitting smoking or vaping can be difficult, and it can be even harder during times like these when stress is often higher. Finding healthy ways to manage that stress without nicotine is important. For Minnesota residents who are ready to quit smoking, vaping, or using smokeless tobacco, Quit Partner is ready to help. Through a family of free programs, Quit Partner offers free support like one-on-one coaching, emails and texts, educational materials, and quit medications like patches, gum, and lozenges delivered by mail. In fact, a mix of quit coaching and quit medications can help double a person's chances of quitting. No matter what support a person would like to try through Quit Partner, it's always judgment-free. And now that Minnesota has raised the legal sales age for tobacco to 21, residents may be looking for quitting resources now more than ever. To learn more, visit quitpartnermn.com or call 1-800-QUIT-NOW. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. I'm Tasha Radel. Joining me today is Brian Eck, UCARES Associate Vice President of Sales. Today we've been talking about Medicare plan selection time. The annual election period runs October 15th through December 7th. This is the time of year where members can change their Medicare plan. Brian, welcome back. Let's talk a little bit about this annual election period. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, Several years ago, Medicare went to defined enrollment periods on when people could or could not make changes in their, their Medicare coverage. One of the biggest ones that was established is what's called the annual election period or, or open enrollment for, for Medicare, um, Medicare beneficiaries. What this allows people to do is um, from October 15th to uh, December 7th, uh, choose different Medicare options, particularly Medicare Advantage plan options. They can make as many selections as they want during this uh, this uh, open enrollment period. The, uh, the one that's in effect, though, on December 7th will be the one that they would have then for the, the coming year, starting January 1st. Brian, is there anything new this year about Medicare plan options that we should know about going in? Yeah, I would say that the biggest change that we're seeing, and this, is, this isn't necessarily this year, but we've, uh, over the past uh, very few years here, um, plans are adding in uh, additional benefits kind of above and beyond what traditional Medicare has covered. Um, in addition to Medicare always having some out-of-pocket costs, uh, Medicare just didn't cover certain services. Things like annual physicals are not covered by Medicare. Things like uh, uh, preventive dental services are just simply not covered. 
it's easy. you can find Medicare plans that include coverage for a number of things uh, uh, above the the standard Medicare benefit set. And it's, and it's really kind of exciting to see. I think for beneficiaries, there's a lot more that they're getting, and really a lot more that's designed to help improve their health uh, rather than just wait and tell they they need to see a doctor because they're sick or they're injured or something. Um, and we have found over the years at UCare that preventive medicine is really the uh, the best way to uh, to keep our, our keep our members going um, uh, waiting is waiting until a condition gets worse is, is always uh, worse for the patient it's always more expensive for the plan so we do and I think a number of other plans are, are putting a lot of additional um, additional resources into helping people keep themselves healthy in the first place and providing services that um, you know had not been covered in the past or available in the past and they are they are now So, Brian, if Medicare plan members are happy with their current plan, do they need to do anything this time of year? Yeah, that's a a good question. The answer is no. There is nothing you need to do if you like the plan that you're on. Um, Medicare plans um, will will, will renew from year to year. Uh, The only exception to that is there there are occasionally times when a plan is is canceled or discontinued for some reason. Uh, But if that should happen... um, Numerous notices will go out to let that person know that this has happened. Uh, the plan that they're that is canceling will also provide alternatives that are available to folks. Um, and so, even if you like your plan, if it is going away for some reason, you will have options uh, available to you that uh, you'll be able to find that. I think can provide at least a good or better coverage for, for many individuals. So Brian, don't want to put you on the spot today, but I have to ask, um, what is your best advice for Medicare shoppers moving forward during this annual election period? I would say that the biggest piece of advice I could give for folks is um, make sure you've checked to see what's changing in your plan for next year. Um, Many plans will have minor changes during the, the, the from year to year, and I really think it's important for a, for a member to look closely at that. Um, there might be changes in things like the formulary or the list of covered drugs. Um, if you are taking a prescription and for some reason the plan is changing their formulary, with coverage might be changing on that particular prescription drug, you need to know about that and you need to make a decision whether the plan is still the best option option for you. Um, and I would say that it's, it never hurts to, to just kind of take a look at what else is available. We have um, a lot of Medicare options for, for folks uh, in, in our area. Um, it can be daunting to try to learn about all of them, but I think it's definitely worth the while to, to take a look at, at other plans that, that are out there. Um, I would encourage folks to you know, talk to your friends, talk to your neighbors, uh, see what they have for their Medicare plan, see what they like, what they don't like. Uh, see if that those plans might have something that would uh, be of benefit to you. And then call the plan and get some information. Um, call a local insurance broker and, uh, and, and ask them to, to help you in kind of making some decisions, really based on what you feel is important for your coverage. We're about out of time today. Uh, for folks wanting more information, is there a good place they can go to do their homework, so to speak? Absolutely. We are on the internet. Um, our, our address is www.ucare.org. It's important to note we're a nonprofit, so we are, we are, we are a .org, not a .com. A lot of good information there. In addition, um, UCARE um, has a, a, a sales team that uh, can, uh, can work with folks uh, directly. And we also are contracted with um, uh, many uh, 
independent insurance agents and brokers throughout the state uh, who would be happy to uh, help folks out and, and show them what UCARE has to offer this year. Thanks again to my guest, Brian Eck, UCARE's Associate Vice President of Sales. Back to you, Scott. Thank you, Tasha. That's going to do it for us for this week. Thank you for listening, and please tune in again next week for Minnesota Matters on this MNN station.